I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're on the sixth lesson entitled, For What Nation Is There So Great? As we continue studying present truth in Deuteronomy. That's right. So um, before we do that, though, a little in-house thing. We were thinking about a way that we could use Talking Points as more than just a weekly study guide program, which we appreciate and it's always going to stay that way, but maybe there's more we could do with this platform. And so we're going to be releasing a newsletter for our department, Sabbath School Personal Ministry newsletter, entitled The Missionary, M-I-C-H-N-A-R-Y, right? Talking about how we need to have every member in the territory of the local church be a missionary for Jesus. And one of the things we'd like to do is have added content beyond what we just get in our weekly Talking Points episode. One of them being, why don't we do a Q&A? So if there are questions about not necessarily theological things, even though I guess we could touch on that sometimes, but more practical elements of Sabbath school work, like how to teach more effectively, how to get more people involved, how you could be witnessing in your Sabbath school class and make it more mission focused, those kind of things. So if you have questions like that, please submit them to us at our department at the uh, slhoward at misda.org. You'll see the website right here on the screen. And let us know if there's some questions that you have about Sabbath school organization or preparation or or execution that we can be helpful with and we'll answer those not in a regular episode of Talking Points, but as an added feature in our newsletter that's forthcoming. So we just want to throw that out Mm -hmm. there. And uh, other than that, Pastor Howard, I don't think we have other housekeeping items this week. Not this week. Okay, but looking forward, I'm sure we'll have some features to highlight here and there. But for now, our talking points come from this lesson six in our fourth quarter study. And you put those together for us. So you want to walk us through that? So great. Let's do that. Um, Do you want to? We haven't prayed first. first. Do you want to do that? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the word of truth and the spirit of truth to lead us into an understanding of it. We pray that that understanding would not just be a theoretical understanding, Lord, but one that would change our hearts to help us to be more like you. For we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In fact, that's what a lot of our lesson is this about this week. We talk about uh, the Israelite nation being a great nation and the importance, as the book of Deuteronomy goes over, we've talked about quite a bit, the importance of observing God's laws. It's for the purpose of the Lord changing our characters to be more like his. Mm. And so this week's talking points, of course, this week, uh, we talked last week, I think, about the idea of a present truth in Deuteronomy and how a lot of Mm -hmm. the lessons are thematic, uh, drawing, you know, present truth issues from Deuteronomy, but not necessarily breaking down. Yes. It's not so much an exegetical study of Deuteronomy. It's a topical study. However, this week is a breakdown of a portion of chapter four. Okay. In fact, chapter four verses uh, one through nine is where the bulk of it is found. And so maybe we'll just look at that. Maybe you would want to read verses um, one through five, and I'll read six through nine if you want to do that. Sure. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, you said one through five? Yes. Okay. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you held fast to the Lord your God, uh, you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. 
Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren, etc., etc. Now, there's more to it, obviously, mm-hmm. but that is the bulk of where the lesson builds this week. Okay. And so it's interesting, even as you see the rundown, uh, Moses has recounted some of the history, and now he's enjoining upon the people the importance of obedience, gives an example of disobedience beyond the, the uh, Kadesh Barnea that we've mm-hmm. already seen, gives the example of Baal Peor, mm-hmm. and, you know, what happened, and now some of those are. Go on, and, and you are here who were faithful to observe what the Lord said. Therefore, keep these commandments and judgments. Uh, so you already see the preservation factor. But he continues to say, in the land you're going into, they're going to be your wisdom in the sight of the nations, etc., hmm. etc. And so that's kind of a an overview of where the lesson is going to break down this week. So okay. here are the talking points that I drew out of this week's lesson. Number one, true greatness because he says you're a great nation and your greatness will be seen, etc. Mm-hmm. True greatness is found in obedience to God. That's taken from Wednesday and Thursday's lesson. I'm ac- I actually kind of backed up a little bit and didn't instead of the flow. Now, the lesson does follow the flow of Deuteronomy. and I. So you kind of reverse engineered it a little bit. A little bit, and okay. let's see, maybe hopefully see why. <laughs> uh, talking point number one, true greatness is found in obedience to God. Talking point number two, the great controversy is concerning the law of God. Mm. And, uh, of course, the lesson brings that out, drawing from the chapter. And then finally, number three, talking point number three, flee from idolatry. And so we'll break those down as we go into our uh, week here. Okay. So let's drive right into this first one. Number one, true greatness is found in obedience to God. So there's a, there's a direct correlation between the greatness of the nation and their faithfulness to these statutes. That's right. Well, so on, again, taken from Wednesday and Thursday's lesson, Wednesday's quarterly uh, asks the question, Wednesday's lesson, the quarterly, the first read question says, read Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 9, and we read 1 We've through 9 just a minute yeah. ago. Why would the Lord through Moses have said what he did here to Israel? And that portion especially be careful to observe these commandments they're your wisdom in the sight of the nations keep yourself uh diligently etc etc what great nation why did the lord say this now what i drew out of this and there's so much that could be said in this lesson in fact one of the <laughs> what, a, what a vague question is like why would it be good to obey it's like well man it could be a lot of reasons yeah. i don't know if you guys have ever been and maybe you do this in your classes but you ever get around one of those pe- people who likes to ask questions that are so either they're so ambiguous or so broad, you know, there's just no right answer. You ever been in a situation like that, and then everybody yeah. they're they're answering, answering, answering. And it's like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> and then I give the answer. You're like, I never would have gotten that. Yeah. This isn't quite like that, but it's right. a very broad. Yeah. So when I so if you open this up, say to a Sabbath school class, I'm guessing you get a variety <laughs> of answers and could go on and on. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so you you want to make sure you. <laughs> Steer a little bit. Now, what I what I took from it, though, are, you know, why would God have, at this point, been urging obedience? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking about obedience. It also talks about the greatness and the other nations seeing. And we're going to talk about that in the lesson. But I, what I drew away is, 
What are the reasons that God may enjoin careful obedience? There are three that I walked away with. One is for our own benefit. And the lesson, and I forget which day of the week, it brings out Deuteronomy 12, where it talks about them observing the commandments, that it might be well with you and your children. Mm. So it's to our own benefit to be obedient to God. Uh, Mm. Those who were preserved alive here from Mm. Baal Peor was because they observed (laughs) the commandments. So there's that personal benefit. So the personal benefit, yep. But then Deuteronomy 4, 6 here says, Be careful to observe these commandments, for this is your wisdom and understanding of the sight of the nations. So as a witness to the surrounding nations is one of the reasons So your commandment keeping would be good for their experience. Right, and we'll see that played out a little bit further in the lesson as well. And then I thought it was interesting in verse 9. And verse 9 says, Take heed to yourself and keep yourself... And we'll talk about that a little bit further as well. But it's in the context of part of keeping yourself is being careful to observe the commandments. And then it goes on to say in verse 9, Keep yourself lest you forget these things and lest they depart from your heart. And so I think it's Mm. interesting. There's a correlation there to faithful obedience to the Lord reminds us that he's God, reminds Mm. us that we serve him, reminds us that he is our strength and 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 our source of everything. And when we don't, when we fall away from that, mm-hmm. we forget how the Lord has led us, and we we lose these things out of our heart. Mm-hmm. And so, so you can forget out of your mind, and you get out of practice in your heart, and they just kind of remove from yes. you when you're not diligent. I, I thought the language is interesting because we, we we can talk about the importance of remembering them, but I know a lot of people who know the right thing, but they've they're they're not in their heart anymore because mm. they don't do the right thing. And again, that will come up. So true greatness is found in obedience to God. God's purpose in making his people great was to bless others. We saw that um, in that passage, you know, the greatness in the eyes of the nations. Wednesday's lesson, paragraph three, it says, but the purpose of making them great. You want to read Mm -hmm. that for us? The purpose of making them great was that they could be a blessing to all the families of the earth, quoting Genesis 12. And though the ultimate blessing would be that Jesus, the Messiah, would come through their bloodline, until then, they were to be the light of the world. Now, (laughs) Now, to background of this reason we're both chuckling is because that... I'm sure it wasn't the law's intent. Well, because, let's be clear, Jesus himself affirmed that he is indeed the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. But that same Jesus also turned to his believers in the New Testament and said, you are the light of the world. And he wasn't just talking about, until I got here, and now I'm all done with you being the light. Right. There's a New Testament, you know, kind of expectation that it's not like they were supposed to be the light till Jesus came, and now we don't have to worry about being a light anymore because Jesus did all that. No, we're going to keep being the light through that. Of course, we don't generate the light. Christ is reflected in That's our right. countenance. but. That light-bearing witness that we're supposed to have is not done in Jesus. It's continued into the New Testament. Exactly. In fact, the lesson brings up Matthew 5, where in verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So as much as in the Old Testament, their observance of, of God's commandments made them a light to the world, so... Jesus said was to be the case in the New Testament. Mm. And a parallel passage to that, Cameron, if you could look up for us 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12, you see Peter saying something almost the same as what Jesus said about your, you know, men seeing your good works and glorifying God. Yes, but, uh, 1 Peter, Peter 2, 2 11, 11 and 12. 12 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So notice what he says. By, and it's very similar to what Jesus said. Yeah. By your good works, and it's interesting, he says that they may observe, or that, what does it say again? It says, by good, your good works that... That by your good works which they observe. Which they observe. In other words, these yeah. are obvious. Out, it's not like, anyway. So it's not just good intentions you hold in your heart or good ideas right. you have in your head, but you're actually living them out in a way they can see is is a testimony to God, and they give glory to Him. That's right. And so the lesson highlights this, and I thought this was I appreciated them doing uh, the, the author doing this. Um, their greatness came from their obedience. Again, in verse six, it says, "Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the mm. nations." Notice it isn't having them that was their wisdom and understanding, but their observance of these. Uh, commandments. Now, again, in now, the I new- can, uh, yeah, before you move on past that point, um, I think that there's might be a temptation in Sabbath school classes to say, now, let's be clear. It's not your keeping of them that's the wisdom. It's the law itself that's the wisdom. Right. Well, and obviously, we don't have inherent wisdom, but there is something to the idea of, no, 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 it's the you applying Well, let's just make law. clear, because yeah. you, you, you're right. What people will say is it's not our keeping of them, because that puts the emphasis on us. Right. Let's hit the pause button. Can any of us keep any commandments without the grace of God? <laughs> no. So my keeping of them, that's why Jesus said, when men see your good works, they don't glorify you. They why glorify not? your Father who's in heaven. Because they're not your good works. That's they're right. God's works through you. Because mm-hmm. we, so well, exactly. That. So I can just tell you, they're, they're, I'm not a prophet of the son of the prophet, but I think if you launched into this without that understanding into the Sabbath school class, there's going to be a whole lot of like moving away from the works so we make sure to highlight the greatness of the law, which of course the law is great and holy and just and good. But in this context, I do think that there's a case to be made that the wisdom that you're going to have in the in the sight of the nations is not just the law in, you know, enshrined in tables of stone or kept in the box, but it's actually lived out in the life that's going to bring glory to God. Well, we want to draw, and this is why the contributive lesson, and this is why we're drawing attention to people can have that opinion all they want, but that's not what the Scripture says. Mm. This is the adult. Bible study guide. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) And the Bible says, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom. Now, it's interesting. Again, New King James says, be careful to observe. The New American Standard Bible says, as well as the King James Version, keep and do them. And I found Mm -hmm. this interesting comment, uh, and it's in our notes, from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary notes on uh, Deuteronomy 4.6. To keep them is to give assent of mind and heart to them with intent to order the life accordingly. To do them is to carry out the intent of the will. And incidentally, these are in the Hebrew, keep and do. They're two different words. A man must purpose to do right before he does right. And then they go on to say the respect of Israel among the nations would be in proportion to their faithfulness in observing the commandments so of God. So that's not and knowing the commandments or even intending to do the commands, but the actual manifesting of obedience in the life, that's when it kicks in to be wisdom for the that's nations. That's right. Why don't you read that third paragraph on Thursday, which makes this point as well. Sure. It says here that their obedience, and this is a quote from Christ's object. No, no, no. Oh, I'm before that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the third one. Israel, the contributor says, could have had the most wonderful system of law and rules and regulations the world had ever seen. In fact, it did. But what good would it all be if Israel didn't follow it? Instead, their wisdom, their understanding came from the real-time manifestation of God's laws in their lives. They were to live out the truths that the Lord had given them, and they could do that only by obeying them. All the light and all the truth wasn't going to do them or the pagans around them any good if Israel didn't live out that truth. So anyway, you got yeah. to just... Very clearly. 
and what good is it going to do if you're not living it out? It's like, we have these laws. <laughs> yeah. you know? you're not, no, there's no light there. And you started on Christ's Outback Lessons. I'll just read the first sentence there, but this is an excellent statement at the bottom of the page. Their obedience to the law of God would make them marvels of prosperity before the mm. nations of the world. Mm. Their obedience. And it's interesting. You've always become, in fact, it's interesting as you come to the last sentence there. It really hit me. God furnished them with every facility for becoming the greatest nation on the earth. And mm. we know from our study of prophecy that God raised up a two-horned beast, which was the United States of America, and in the same way gave us every facility for becoming the greatest nation on earth. This was a Protestant nation at mm. its foundation. And as you see us getting further and further away mm. from Scripture principles, I mean, everything's going to pieces. I, mm. if, if you don't see that, I don't have time to break it down now. But <laughs> yeah, and we certainly don't. Just, and I'm guessing you could get off on some subjects there in yes. your Sabbath school classes. But, but the idea of this greatness, as long as you're faithful to God's law, exactly it will be right. evident to those around. That's exactly it. Now, it shouldn't surprise us then, talking point number two, the great controversy is concerning the law of God. This has been from, you know, a lot of people yes. miss this. In fact, you were, who were we talking? Were you and I talking the other day and somebody had said that pretty much the, the evangelical understanding of the gospel is the same as ours? Oh, that was actually one of the comments that uh, is derived from a discussion that came out of the Sabbath school lesson uh, coming up. But the idea being that, you know, law, gospel, these kind of things, grace, these are all things that we all just generically understand as Christians, is essentially the, the way I took and, that And of statement. course, how do you get that when you're like, one group says, yeah, we ought to keep the commandments, and one group says, no, don't need to keep the commandments. <laughs> That's not the same understanding. Two different worlds, yeah. And so the, the, the point being that from the very inception of the, 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 the controversy is over the law of God. Mm. And as much as we, well, for, why don't you read the statement there from Great Controversy at the bottom of our, sure. our handout. It says, from the very beginning of the Great Controversy in heaven, it has been Satan's purpose to overthrow the law of God. It was to accomplish this, that he entered upon his rebellion against the Creator, and though he was cast out of heaven, he continued the same warfare upon the earth. To deceive men and thus lead them to transgress God's law is the object which he has steadfastly pursued. Whether this be accomplished by casting aside the law altogether or by rejecting one of its precepts, the result will, will be ultimately the same. The last great conflict between truth and error is but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy concerning the law of God. So two points there. She calls the long-standing controversy a controversy over the law of God, number mm -hmm. one. Number two, it's interesting, you don't have to cast away the law altogether. Just reject one of its precepts. Mm. And it's interesting that when you look at the first couple verses here, the lesson, and this is primarily drawn from Sunday's lesson, don't add or take away, the Lord says in verse 2, Moses says, the Lord says through Moses, Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God. So yeah. the implication is, once you add or take away, it's no longer the commandment of the Lord. That's fascinating. And, and let's let's just, for I know we're, we're running down mm -hmm. the clock, but look at this that text again. Mm -hmm. to make sure we're clarifying that point. If you were to add to the commandments of God, you think, well, I've got all the commandments plus. Right. <laughs> but you wouldn't be keeping the commandments anymore. That's right. You'd be keeping something else. In fact, there's just examples. Of, or, of course, if you take, because we yes. think if, if I do less than the law, but surely if I do more than the law, but no, there's, there's only one way to keep the law, and that's keeping the law. That's right. And we've got two <laughs> examples. The lesson gives one, and that's in Matthew 15, where the Jewish, where the nation of, uh, in mm. Christ's day had come up with this, uh, where you could pronounce a certain dedicatory blessing to your possessions, uh, where you pronounce Corbin, and that was a 
gift to the temple. The, in yeah. other words, I'm going to give all my stuff to the temple. And once upon you your did death. that, upon your death, right? <laughs> Not now. Right. But. And so once I would do that, now, because everything I own is technically belongs to the temple, I'm allowed to use it as much as I want yeah. while I'm alive. But I couldn't give to Cameron. Right. I couldn't give to the poor. I couldn't and give I to my parents. I certainly couldn't give to my parents who might need it in their old age or something, right? Because I've dedicated it to God. Right. And so Jesus calls the, the uh, religious leaders out on this and says, look, your commandment that you added mm-hmm. actually gives you an, a, a, a way around mm-hmm. obeying and what inter- interestingly his language is, you've made the commandment of God of no effect. And, and this is mm. fascinating language because they weren't voiding it out. You know, the Pharisees weren't saying, no, the law is not important. The law is very important, except in these cases where it doesn't apply to me. And so in adding to, well, I was point, just thinking about actually taking away. Exactly. And how many times, and we're talking about scripture here, but Spirit of Prophecy, Ms. White talks about that same thing about her writings where people will say, you know, I agree with all of it. But the thing is, in addition, you've got to understand or they'll take away a certain part. And she even calls that the making of none effect, right? When we That's start exactly to, right. to say, well, I, I agree with it until it disagrees with me. And then I think a more apt approach is to, and all that does is serve to give a very pious cover to That's the reality exactly right. of I'm just trying to get out from under this burden. So what I have in the notes is tradition is a subtle, often I should have a subtle way of disobedience because rather than refusing to obey God's law, it simply makes it of no effect. Mm. You know, they weren't fighting against the law. Yeah. The Pharisees upheld the law. Big fans of the except law. Except for, hey, except for us. We don't have to do that. <laughs> right. And the lesson makes this point on Sunday, third paragraph. It says, when you think about the history of ancient Israel, you see that in many ways they got into trouble because not only would they ignore certain precepts of the law, which for all practical purposes was taking away from the law, but they would also, they would add to it in the sense of bringing in practices that were not specified in the law and that, in fact, led ultimately to transgressing it. Maybe they weren't even specified in the law. And we brought it before Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus says, you tithe the anise and the mint and the cumin, but you avoid the weightier matters of the law. These you ought to have done and not left the others undone. The point he was making is, you're actually multiplying some of the things you would rather do to excuse you from the things you'd rather not do. So once again, you're adding some things to make yourself look super pious, but really you're using it as a cover from I can't what tell you're you, doing. One of the examples we've talked about before, and I'll share here, and, uh, is that you know, having worked in enough institutions over time, you, you can, you know, there can be some massive philosophical or theological or, or character issues either in the lives of personnel or students or whatever the institution is, and it's hard to wrap your, it's hard to articulate. Them, it's hard to address them. It might be uncomfortable. So what we often do is really crack down on the dress code or really crack down. And so, and not that those things are bad, but that sometimes our, you know, our Anison mint and cumin can yes. be an, a, a kind of almost a karmic kind of like, well, I'll do a lot of this mm-hmm. to offset the one thing I don't over here. And Christ is saying, why don't you just stick exactly with the law as written and obey it faithfully and it'll be well for you. That's right. <laughs> And just so you know, we know we covered some of this in a recent lesson because it was talking about very similar things. But point bears, point bears being repeated. This is exactly what it's talking about with this adding to or taking away. That mm. you can have that tendency to, in, in a subtle way, it's one of the devil's ways of getting rid of the law of God. Mm. Getting us around it. And so... Um, avoiding the keeping a modified commandment I have in the nose is not obedience. That's right. <laughs> and that's what the, the text brings out there. And finally, yeah, let's move on to the remedy. What can we do about flee it? Flee from idolatry. Now, the, the lesson on uh, Monday and Tuesday goes into the example, as does the passage here of Baal Peor. And mm. interestingly, Moses brings up, he says, we're basically, remember Baal Peor, 
and the people who sinned at Belpior aren't with us today. <laughs> and the people who didn't are here today. Those are, were preserved. And what's fascinating is when you go to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, mm -hmm. which ironically the lesson brings us a, a, a passage from it this week, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but doesn't tie in the connection with Belpior, which um, I think is a fascinating connection. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse, I'm not going to read verse 13, but 1 Corinthians 10 outlines some of the failures of Israel mm -hmm. and what, you know, sins that, of ancient Israel that we're not to repeat. And I'm still turning there. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you read verses uh, 8 and verse 11? Okay, Just get this. 8 and 11. Nor yes. let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. In verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So that reference back to Bel Pior. I'm just thinking, I'm looking at our time and I'm thinking, I mean, you could take your entire Sabbath school to talk about Bel Pior. One of the things in the lesson this one, read Numbers 25. <laughs> and this As like one sub point of one day. And let me just say, yeah. we can't cover, you couldn't cover enough in your class, but I want to encourage every one of you to read the chapter in Patriarchs and Prophets called Apostasy of the Jordan. Very it's, it's chapter 41, starting on page two, uh, 453. There's some yeah. great stuff there, some very relevant applications, but Moses is making the caution there and pointing to Baal Peor. Paul, all the way here in the New Testament, is like, this, is a re this thing is written down for our example. Let's not do as they did. He gives other stories as well. Mm. But in Baal Peor, what happened is, when, and if you read enough back into the story, when Balaam tried to curse Israel and couldn't do it, he came up with the idea of how to get them. He couldn't curse them, but he can entice them into sin. By and the reason he couldn't curse them because they were being faithful because at the time. Faithful to God. And they were like, they've got this hedge of protection. You're not allowed to curse these people. You can't do it. So he enticed them into pagan worship. And somebody mm -hmm. said, well, how do you do that? Like, you don't do that overnight. You're exactly right. We have the quote here from Patriarchs and Prophets 459, mm. where Ellen White says, a long preparatory process unknown to the world goes in, on in the heart before the Christian commits open sin. The mind does not come down at once from purity and holiness to depravity, corruption, and crime. It takes time to degrade those formed in the image of God to the brutal or the satanic. Mm. By beholding, we become changed. By the indulgence of impure thoughts, man can so educate his mind that sin, which he once loathed, will become pleasant to him. Mm. She continues to say, many of the amusements popular in the world today, even those who, with those who claim to be Christians, tend to the same end as the, did those of the heathen. There are indeed few among them that Satan does not turn to account in destroying souls. And mm. much so you see, there are Oh, there are a lot of parallels there, but the point is that the devil enticed them away from their faithfulness mm. to be careful to observe the commandments of the Lord, which mm. he gave to preserve his people. So in the greater context, he's, remember Baal Peor, don't do that. Remember, the only ones that are alive today are the ones who stayed faithful. Well, and it's interesting, too, because when I think of idolatry, it's easy yes. to think of like, well, this is Old Testament. There was like stone yes. statues. and stuff. So good thing that doesn't apply to me. But Mrs. Whitehart made many of the amusements popular in the world today. So there are mm -hmm. worldly mechanisms of idolatry that we may not spot like we That's would right. a statue or a figure, but it has the same effect she says tends towards sure so, so and it, it's long preparatory so it's very subtle exactly so it's not like the thing itself is inherently but it's going to start tipping you away and turning your attention from and finally getting you to but what the lesson does is it points to the way of escape 
And I've maybe conflated a couple things. Well, no, this is all on the same page. Tuesday's lesson talks about cleaving to the Lord your God. Because in the passage, it says the ones who did not fall at Baal Peor, the ones who cleaved to or held fast to the Lord. And so it's interesting that one of the texts it brings up is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So we just read mm-hmm. 10, verse 8, and 10, verse 11. You have 13 there? I do. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And verse 14. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. We always read verse 13 and say, oh, way of escape. God there's, has a way, there's an open door. Oh, what is the door? What is the door? <laughs> flee, flee from idolatry. And when you take it back into the context of Baal Peor, mm. what was the only group? You know, the, the, there's the group that went to the idolatry of the nations, Mm -hmm. who were the ones who were safe, the ones who fled from idolatry. But what does it mean to flee from idolatry? It means to cleave to the Lord, right? Idolatry is anything else that takes us from God. And so to flee from idolatry, what direction are you fleeing in? Yeah. The direction of the Lord, adhering to Mm. the Lord and being careful to observe Mm. his commandments, not depart from them, which is the theme of this. Yeah. Uh, chapter. We kind of have the same thing every time we talk about the remnant church. It's like, we call it come yes. out of Babylon is to come into God's faithful movement. That's the same thing here. If you're cu- fleeing into idolatry, you're going to cleave to the Lord. So, um, Cameron, why don't you read the last two paragraphs there on, pay- on Tuesday's lesson? And, sure. and, and this is what I put for the conclusion. It says here that what's important to remember is that the people themselves are the subject of the verb. They must do the cleaving. They must make the choice to cleave to God and then, in his power and strength, avoid falling into sin. God is faithful. God is able to keep us from falling. But we have to make the conscious choice, as did the faithful at Baal Peor, to cleave to God. If so, then we can be assured that whatever the temptation, we can remain faithful. Amen. That was powerful. So the theme of our lesson this week is is really in Deuteronomy, re- recounting some of the, the history of Israel and just enjoining upon them the importance of faithful obedience for their sake, for the sake of their witness to the nations, uh, for their preservation, for their happiness, all of these things. Amen. What a great study you guys were going to have. So let's close with a word of prayer. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this powerful insight from your word. Please, Lord, bless not only this particular resource, but the whole field across the world as we gather together to study your word. Let your people be blessed so that in turn they can be a blessing. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.